Hosea chapter 1. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 5 and 6 today. In our study of Hosea, we've seen that the prophet, Hosea and his wife, became a living allegory. With Hosea representing the Lord and his wife Gomer representing the Lord's people who had been unfaithful to God. God is like Israel's husband here in this allegory. Just as the church is the bride of Christ. And Christ is our husband. And so this allegory relates as much to us today as it did to them back then. And she had been unfaithful to her God by having other gods before him. Just as a wife would be unfaithful to her husband having other men in, uh, before him or instead of him. And so Gomer represented people who were spiritually guilty of adultery. And the children she and Hosea had together in their relationship represented the circumstances the people of Israel would have as a result of their unfaithfulness to God, their spiritual husband. We left off last week with Gomer giving birth to a son named Jezreel. God told Hosea, name him Jezreel, because God was going to punish the house of Jehu for the unrighteous, violent acts that he committed in Jezreel. That's where we left off last week. Look in verse 4 with me. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of the house of, uh, the blood of Jezreel, excuse me, upon the house of Jehu. And in so doing, God would cause Jehu's family to only reign in Israel for four generations, if you'll remember that. God said he would bring judgment on the house of Jehu, look back in your text, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. The kingdom of Israel would cease to be a sovereign nation because of her sins. 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 32 says, In those days the Lord began to cut Israel short. And Haziel smote them in all the coasts of Israel. Now, Brother Shepherd taught about Haziel in 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 through 15. Haziel secretly murdered his master, the king of Syria, and ruled in his place. And one remember how he, how he murdered him? Took a wet towel and put over his face. Didn't leave any marks behind that way. But uh, he killed him that way, uh, just as Elisha had prophesied and ruled in his place. Now, in 2 Kings 10.32, the Bible says the Lord began to cut Israel short in those days. And Haziel smote them in all their coasts. That's, I'm putting the emphasis on that on purpose. He began to cut them short. He smote them in their coasts. In other words, that was the beginning of Israel's demise, but it wasn't yet the end. Hezel smote them in their coast, or we would say their borders. How about that? Now, we know what goes on. Now, we're a border state, and we know what goes on on the border doesn't always affect the rest of the country. Isn't that right? There's things going on on the border all the time right now. And men, you get up every day, and if we don't sit on the news, we'd never know about it, right? 
We don't, we don't see all the chaos unless we watch them coming across. And I know they were throwing rocks and stuff at the Border Patrol the other day, trying to, to breach their line. And Hazel smoting Israel and their borders probably didn't affect the majority of the people in Israel. You see what we're talking about? Most of them could probably go right on living their sinful life just as they always had. But because Israel continued in their sin, God's letting them know more heartache is on the way. Not just the borders. Not just began to cut Israel short. But He's going to cut Israel off altogether. Because Israel continued in their sin, again, more heartache was left to come for the nation of Israel. Heartache that would affect the entire nation and end its sovereignty. In my lifetime, our military has had quite a few skirmishes. But you know, those conflicts that the military's had in my lifetime, they didn't really impact the day-to-day lives of most people here in America. The last conflict that threatened our whole nation was World War II. My dad was a child then, and I wasn't even born. And when several generations of people enjoy peace in their nation, you know what happens? They begin to take it for granted. They begin to assume it's always going to be that way. When several generations of people enjoy living in a land with superior military strength, it's hard for them to imagine themselves being defeated, being driven from their homes, from their land, losing their houses that they built and the land they worked and paid for. We, we get up and we think, okay, well, I've, I've got property rights, this is my house. No one can come take it away as long as I can make my payment or as long as I can pay my taxes on it. But you know what? You don't have any rights if your country gets overtaken. You have only what the invading nation will give you, which is probably a boot off your place. <laughs> we haven't always won every conflict that we've engaged in in America. Not since I've been alive. Some would argue that we didn't really win in certain conflicts. But we've never had a foreign nation shed blood on our soil in our lifetimes. Not at least in a legitimate war. So we live each day assuming the houses that we live in are going to remain secure. That we will be able to grow old and enjoy the place that we call home. That we'll enjoy our private property reliance property rights under the Constitution of the United States. But when a nation forsakes God and plays the harlot with sin, it places its military strength in jeopardy. This is what Israel was about to learn. The same position that Israel was in then is the same position that we're in today. They grew proud They were used to winning battles and they thought it was always going to go on like that. Here's a kingdom truth for you. A nation that loses its righteousness will eventually lose its strength. Repeat that again. A nation that loses its righteousness will eventually lose its strength. Israel is about to find it out the hard way. The Lord told Israel, look in verse 5 with me, and it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. 
a bow is a long-distance weapon of war. We don't use it uh, in our military today. Some of you use it to, you know, go hunting with, maybe hog or deer hunting with. But, but the power of a bow and arrow, shh, that was a long-distance weapon of war back then. That was their snipers back then, Brother Doug. And the power of that bow, it depends on that bow's ability to remain rigid and yet flexible. And to be able to pull that string back on that bow and put a lot of tension on it. And then when you let go of that string, it'd be able to snap back and send that arrow at a high velocity at your target. But God said he was going to break the bow of Israel. You see what God's saying? I mean, if you have a broken bow, can you imagine getting you a bow? You've got the, you've got the stick. You've got the string. You've got the arrow. You put the arrow in the string and you pull that bow back, but it's broken. It's just going to go. You let go of the arrow, it's just going to fall. God says, I'm going to break their bow. God's telling Israel, I am going to break the strength of your military. That's what he's telling them. That's the warning that he has to nations today. Nations that forsake him. Nations that know better. Nations like Israel who had been given the word of God, had turned to God, and then had turned their back on God. That's the peculiar position America is in. That's what we've done. The Lord said He would break their bow in the valley of Jezreel, which I believe means on account of the sins that were committed there. Which God had just mentioned previously, as we just read. Their bow would be broken. This is what happens to a nation who places their trust in its military strength. You see a lot of these militaries, they'll have a parade, and they'll put their tanks or some of their missiles out, and they'll run them through that parade so they can show them off to the world. Look at us. Look how powerful we are. But you know, David slew Goliath with a slingshot. <laughs> Man, don't trust in your military. Don't trust in your, in your science or in, in, in your, your uh, progressive weaponry that you think, we got a secret weapon. No one will be able to get us here. Don't put your trust in it. There's been a lot of military campaigns that the, that the dominant force just knew they were going to win and ended up getting humiliated in that campaign. Israel had departed from the Lord and they were trusting in their military power, in their former victories, and sadly in their false gods. But every military victory is decided by one person, and that's the Lord Jehovah. And when God decides to break the bow of a nation's military, He will break that nation's bow. Many of the leaders of the United States are placing our nation in jeopardy right now. They are. They're placing our nation in jeopardy because they've rejected the Lord. They're taking our young military recruits and indoctrinating them with wicked ideologies. They're putting their trust in their own military might. They trust in their former victories. They trust in compacts they've made with other nations. They trust in trade deals or something like that. And, and by God's grace, they've never known anything but peace and safety in our homeland. 
other than a few things that have happened here, terroristic things. But no invading forces coming in. And they foolishly assume it's always going to be the same. They've been to West Point. They've had all the great training. They've got all the, 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 the medals and the military prowess. But God told Israel that because she forsook him and she chased after sin, he's going to break her bow. Here's a kingdom truth. A personal sin will always have personal consequences. But national sins have national consequences. Repeat that again. Personal sins have personal consequences. Even so, national sins will have national consequences. In the 1990s, President Bill Clinton was committing fornication in the White House and lying to our nation about it. And the nation's response when they found out about it, and I remember just like it was yesterday, I remember the people saying, Character doesn't count. Anyone remember the nation saying that? Character doesn't count. I remember people saying, a president doesn't have to have good character to be a good president. A man doesn't have to have good character to be a good president. As long as the stock market was up, as long as the economy was fine, that's all foolish Americans cared about. And by saying that, by believing that, those, by saying character doesn't count, you don't have to have good character to make a good president here in America. Americans were basically telling God, you keep your law, we'll keep our money. They were saying, we don't need you, God. We have all we need, and we can do this without you. That's what they were telling the Lord. That was a turning point in our nation. Because now it seems like the more sleazy a leader is, the better the people like him. You look at some people, you think, oh, there's no way. And they'll just gravitate to that person. We've seen the character of our nation slip further and further down. And our people now mock the God who blessed them and made this nation as powerful as it is. Listen, God's been so patient with America over the years. So patient with us. He, he, he's given us preachers to stand against sin. He's continued to keep our enemies at bay while He's given us space to repent. When all, uh, uh, we, we all know that, that there's so many people out here who hate us. Man, there's nations on every corner that love to do us in. God's been so patient with us and He's kept us safe in spite of all of it. But beware, America. Just what God was telling Israel through Hosea. Beware, America. God's patience is running out. Verse 6. And she conceived again, that is Hosea's wife, the sinful, wicked wife, conceived again and bare a daughter and God said unto him, that is unto Hosea, call her name Loru Kama. Loru Kama. Which means not pitied. Not pitied. Could you imagine have a, having a daughter named not pitied? Someone said, oh, she's so beautiful. What's her name? Not pitied. Not pitied. 
How did you come up with a name like that? Because God's no longer going to pity Israel. She goes to school uh, calling Row. Do they still call Roll in school? No one, we don't have anyone in public school, do we? Everyone's homeschooled here. I wonder if they still call Roll in school. Anyway, they used to call Roll in school. Here, here. They'd finally get, they'd say, Richard, here. Could you imagine they finally get to say, not pitied, here. Loru, come on. Not pitied. God's had pity on us in the past. But the whorish wife of Hosea eventually gave birth to a nation no longer pitied by her God. That's what happened. God was showing that the nation of Israel was like his wife. And she'd been unfaithful to him, running around on him with these false gods. And her unfaithfulness, that unfaithful nation, gave birth to God, no longer pitying her. That's what is being shown here. And as this little child grows up, every time her name is called, it was a testimony, a warning to the land of the devastation that was about to come. You know, a child doesn't form overnight. You don't just get born and poof, the next night you're a grown woman. You don't just get conceived in the womb and then you come out the next day. Once a child is conceived, it takes time for that child to grow to the point of birth. Nine months for, for us. And when Gomer was walking around for those nine months, nobody held that baby. Nobody said, hello, not pitied. Nobody held that baby. Nobody fed that baby. Nobody heard that baby cry. But the baby was there on the inside. And when that baby was finally born, it was Gomer's baby to take care of. She had to change that diaper. And in the same way, when a nation conceives sin, nobody sees the trouble that lies ahead. Nobody saw the not pitied when she was inside Gomer. The longer it went, there was definitely evidence it was there. But the baby's diaper didn't have to be changed yet. Baby wasn't waking her up in the middle of the night yet. When a nation conceives sin, nobody sees the trouble that lies ahead like that baby, but the trouble is there on the inside. And when that trouble is born in a nation, it is that nation's baby to take care of. It's time to change that diaper and there's nothing you can do about it. America may not see the trouble that lies ahead right now, but believe me, the trouble is here. And when it springs from the womb of this sinful generation, it's going to be our baby to take care of. God says, name that child no pity. Look back in your text. For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel. In other words, I had mercy in the past. I've been so merciful and patient with you in the past. But I'm done. That's what God's saying. 
like with America. God had mercy on them in the past. He had been so long suffering with them as He has with us. But there comes a time when God's patience runs out. Israel had failed to heed God's warnings. America has failed to heed God's warnings. They had mocked the words of their prophets. And like America thinks of us today, they thought their religious leaders were a bunch of kooks. Religious weirdos. And God said, okay, Israel, you've made your bed. Now you're going to have to sleep in it. For I will no more have mercy upon you. I'm afraid there's coming a day when God is going to say, okay, America, you've made your bed. Now you're going to have to sleep on it. After Muslims flew airplanes into our national monuments on 9-11... I remember our national leaders being a little scared and humbled. Y'all remember that? In a strange show of solidarity, I'm sure the older ones here will remember, I saw something I have never seen before and I'll probably never see again. We saw the Democrats and Republicans locking arm in arm coming out in the Capitol. And you remember what they sung? God bless America. God bless America. We're talking about people who before say don't even believe in God. I was passing a church up in Fort Worth at the time. I was working for the state up there. And I had a little part-time job. Right down from my office, I'd go stop off at that little part-time job. I'd work security there for a few hours and I'd go home. And there was a man up there at that job. He said, Richard, where's your church? I said, it's in Fort Worth. Why? He said, I hadn't been to church in a long time, but I'm going somewhere Sunday. They said, right after the, the, they flew into the buildings. And you think, you know, here's a man that doesn't go to church at all. He was scared. He had never seen his nation like that before. The eerie feeling of walking outside and looking up into the sky in Dallas where I was living and working at the time. You couldn't see a single airplane anywhere. Never saw it before. May never see it since. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I hadn't seen it since. But I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But it was an eerie feeling to watch all of that happen. Muslims flying planes into our buildings. But as soon as the smoke cleared... As soon as people were no longer afraid, Americans showed their true colors. And they began electing more Muslims into power than we ever had before. Y'all saw it. And we scratched our heads and thought, what? And they began running faster and faster and faster away. From the God they sung and asked to bless America. They're no longer singing God bless America. They now want God to leave America alone. And he will leave us alone.
God told Hosea, I will no longer have mercy on them. Look back in your text. But I will utterly take them away. Which he did. 2 Kings chapter 17 verse 6 says. That's 2 Kings 17 6 if you're taking notes. It says in the ninth year of Hosea the king of Assyria. I'm sorry. In the ninth year of Hosea the king of Assyria took Samaria. And carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Hala and in Habor by the river Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. He carried Israel away. I've got that underlined. Carried Israel away. God took them away. He drove them from their homes, from their wealth, from their government benefits, from their retirement plans that they worked for because they had turned their backs on Him. He caused their 401Ks to crash. Here's a kingdom truth for you. Sinner, God will drive you from Him but He wants to draw you to Him. God will drive you from Him, but He wants to drive you to Him. Here, He drove them away. Their whorish baby was born, and now it was their baby to care for. It was their diaper to change. Whoever you are, wherever you are, God wants to have mercy on you. But if you insist on keeping your sin and rejecting His Son, then one day God's patience is going to run out and He will have mercy no more. With that, we'll close and Lord willing, take back up where we left off next Sunday. Oh, I'm preaching to you all this morning. I'm preaching to those who are watching on the internet this morning. As I'm preaching, I wish so badly... That I had a national pulpit and I could stand and sound the alarm to all Americans. I do. Because it's coming. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Father, we thank you for your precious word. Lord, you have shown us clearly in your word. What happens when you're espoused to a whorish woman? What happens when your people serve other gods and reject their Creator and follow after unrighteousness? When sin is conceived, James says, it brings forth death. And Lord, we have conceived sin in our nation. And Lord, you, you named the first baby, Jezreel. And you executed judgment upon a family. The next baby, you executed judgment on a nation. Oh Lord, I pray, Father, as a nation... For revival, I pray, Father God, for repentance in our land. And I pray, dear Lord God, no matter what the nation does, 
that your people, the church, your true spouse, that we will remain faithful to you, Lord. And I know, dear Lord God, there's many who profess to be of your church, but are of the synagogue of Satan, as Revelation puts it. I know judgment is coming for them. But Lord, I pray that your saints will be true to you, that we'll fear your name, and that we will not follow after the gods of this world. We ask it in Jesus' wonderful name.